We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jesse, how about this? Are you ready for rapid fire? I am ready for rapid fire. Let me ask you this, my friend. Who'll run for more yards this Saturday? Audric Estime or Duke quarterback Riley Leonard? I'm going to go with Audric Estime. Um, these dual threat quarterbacks haven't provided uh, much of a kryptonite, you know, to, to the Notre Dame defense so far. Um, and, and Notre Dame has the players to, to handle a more mobile quarterback, right? Like they're a very athletic team. They're a very athletic defense. That means, you know, more Maris, a little bit more Jalen Sneed. Um, that's what it's going to be. And even if it's Jack Kaiser or, or J.D. Bertrand, I think those guys are just as athletic um, as, as Riley Leonard. So I have I have no worries that Notre Dame is going to do their job in containing Riley Leonard in terms of his um, feet this weekend. You just got to be able to manage more so of the RPO plays, plays that are designed basically, you know, like the triple option of a, a pass or run. Um, I, I think that's more so what you have to be concerned about. Um, is doing your job in terms of the RPO offense um, and staying sound to that because it, when you don't when you don't do that, that's when the big plays are, are going to get busted, right? And so just Notre Dame has to play really disciplined football in terms of their RPO reads this weekend. Yeah, I agree. You know, like when you look at what Leonard has done, he's got 238 total rushing yards. His best game was 98 in the opener against Clemson, so he's got almost half of it in that opening game he had another 97 yard game as well after that i think it was last week brennan armstrong has similar numbers though brennan armstrong 225 yards his worst game was 26 yards against notre dame they've done a really good job with their defensive game plans uh, against the mobile guy i mean brennan armstrong obviously being the best now leonard probably a little bit better passer but at the same time they're also very similar to north carolina state not a downfield offense. They're, they're, they're not a team that's going to stretch the field with their receivers. Estime's worst game was this past week when he had 70 yards and he averaged five yards a carry. I think Estime is going to end up with uh, with another really good game against Duke this week, against a good defense. But Duke also, like, I'm, I'm not trying to knock Duke because Mike Elko's got a good defense but let's face it Clemson is still the best team that they've played played so far and yeah how good how good is Clemson you know and, and so I think Estime is going to have another really good game against Duke this week so I think it is going to be Estime bruising his way to another big game 
for the fighting Irish. Yeah, and the thing that helps too is Notre Dame has this template, right? There, it's not like they haven't had to prepare prepare for a mobile quarterback before, right? So they have a template they can follow. They know what's kind of worked. Their players aren't comfortable, or are sorry, are comfortable with kind of you know going about game week preparation for a quarterback like this. Now is when you just kind of make little tweaks, dependent you know more so depending on what kind of backfired against NC State and you know prior opponents, um, and, and then things that you know worked a little bit, and, and things that you want to just basically and, and the the added factors that Riley Leonard will also add too, because he's not the same quarterback as Brendan Armstrong. So you just you're just going to tweak a little thing, couple things, but you already have the template for what's already worked. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Notre Dame, Ohio State was NBC's most watched regular season college football game since the 1993 Notre Dame, Florida State game. Uh, It's not shocking. Uh, You're talking about Notre Dame and you're talking about, you know, one of the most prominent teams in the last, what, you want to say two decades, three decades, maybe. Right. Like when you think of college football over the last 20 to 30 years, you think of uh, Alabama think of Ohio State, you think of Georgia, Clemson, um, and then, you know, Notre Dame is obviously there too for its own reasons, but if we're talking about pedigree of football and being really good football program, Ohio State is up there, and so when you combine that with Notre Dame, um, I, I just think it's expected at this point. Here are some of the numbers. The 93 Notre Dame-Florida State game averaged 22 million viewers, which is like a huge... <laughs> I, like, I couldn't believe it when I saw that. $22 million for Notre Dame, Florida State in 1993. Now, no streamers. The viewing options are a lot. TV has changed a lot in 30 years. But, I mean, like $22 million today is NFL game numbers. That's, that's like a Sunday night football game type number, NFL game. Notre Dame's Ohio State game Saturday averaged $10.5 million. So, less than half, but still, by today's numbers – it is big, and it peaked at 14 million during that fourth quarter late in the game between 10:30 and 10:45 Eastern Time during the comeback. You know, I've heard a lot of the oh, see, NBC is going to push Notre Dame into the Big Ten and all that kind of stuff. Let's remember though that, like you said, one, it's Notre Dame, and two, it's Ohio State, and Ohio State has a huge national TV audience as well. Like their yeah. their TV games are pretty a lot of bandwagon people. That's right. That's right. You know, that's why Fox, you know, is is willing to pony up the money to, so that they have Ohio State. So you can jump on that. The The top three rated markets were Columbus, Ohio, Cleveland and Cincinnati. That's across the country. So like the top three markets watching this game all in were Ohio. the three biggest markets in this, you know, in the state of Ohio. And then after that, it was Indianapolis, Detroit, Chicago. After that, interesting. West Palm Beach, Florida, Tampa, Florida, Nashville, and then Norfolk, Virginia. But the bottom line, it is it is a massive number by today's standards, biggest number in 30 years. And you can see why NBC, you know, was was interested in this primetime TV package with the Big Ten. And I think it's going to be, I, I don't think it's going to be an either or, like a lot of people think that it's going to be, you know, like that, like again, like that this all of a sudden means that that Notre Dame has to jump into the Big Ten. Let's let's not forget that in the last 30 years, they've played Michigan at home a lot, 10 times to be exact. None of those games got this kind of number. Yeah. The 2005 Bush-Push game didn't get this kind of number. You know, last year's been, Ohio State game didn't get that. Well, that wasn't well, on NBC. That was not on NBC, but that's, that's my point. So, but 
big number, and I think that it's uh, it's ultimately going to be good for everybody. I think it's going to be very good for Notre Dame when you when you think about the fact that NBC does already have the partnership with the Big Ten, and Notre Dame wants to keep its own partnership with NBC. I think that's going to bode very well for Notre Dame down the road. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So with Notre Dame's game against Louisville announced yesterday for a 7.30 kickoff, the Irish are going to now have four consecutive primetime games. And Marcus Freeman was asked about it yesterday. He actually found out about the fact that Louisville was going to be a 7.30 kickoff. And here's what he said about the four straight 7.30 p.m. primetime kickoffs. Yeah, it, it, you know, with the travel, you're out in the travel now. We'll get home from Duke um, around 3.30 in the morning. And so um, as I think to, to the following week um, for Louisville, we have to take that into consideration. We have to, I haven't put together the itinerary yet. Um, the practice schedule and all those things, but we have to take that into consideration. That was one of those things we talked about from last year that I've learned. Like every week truly isn't the same. And just because we're playing at night um, versus Duke and versus Louisville, you have to take consideration when you get home. And so um, that will change a little bit of the, the practice structure, um, but it shouldn't be too much. Scale of 1 to 10, Jess, how big a deal is it that it's going to be four consecutive primetime games for the Fighting Irish? So I'm going to put this at a big of deal, like 10 being wow, like this is an extraordinary deal. I think it's got to be like a 6 or 7 range for me. Um, and it's not so much that it's like the prime time or that it's at 730. Um, Marcus Truman actually beat me to the punch and what he was talking about. Like it sucks getting back from those games really late or sorry, really early um, in the morning. Right. And so what that means is, and Marcus Freeman didn't really go into depth about this is, you know, last year, and I think this changes ultimately why Marcus Freeman switched up when they have their off day, because it used to be their off day was Monday, right? Well, what good does it do to have practice on Sunday when you're getting home at three thirty, four o'clock 
yeah. in the morning. So I think that's one Especially thing. if you are playing late night games like this. Right. And so I think that's the one thing that he learned last year is Notre Dame's going to play primetime games. We're going to get back late. We can't be practicing the next day because it, it's basically just a loss of a day, right? And so that's what that's the only fear that I have is when you do these week after week after week is you're kind of compounding instead of having maybe a full day mentally there on Monday, maybe you're, you're only half mentally there, right? Like it, all I worry about is when you get back that late at night is the body can't recover it like it needs to. And then second of all, what are you losing in terms of preparation for that week? Because of, you know, you're losing a half day, right? Where do you have to make some adjustments where, for like, where are you compromising at? Right. Yeah, like if your guys that. aren't fully recovered for a practice on Monday, what good does it do type situation? And so when you're only getting maybe a half a practice on Monday and then the next week you're getting another half a practice on Monday and then next week you're getting another half a practice on Monday. Well, at this point, now you've lost out on maybe a full you know day or two of good practice because of stuff that you can't control of getting back late at night at 3.34 in the morning. But that's the price you play you pay of being at Notre Dame because you're going to play in the primetime games. Everyone wants to schedule in the primetime games, whether you're home or away. And it's just the real the but having them four weeks in a row, that's really unfortunate. And to have them again and ultimately your biggest stretch of the season in a row as well, that's also unfortunate. And so when you when you weigh all those things together, it's a solid six or seven for me. Okay. It's gonna be the first time in Notre Dame history that they've played four straight primetime games. Um I'll just say this to kind of tie it back. We were talking about TV just a minute ago. Seems like even though Notre Dame isn't a full member of the ACC, they sure are adding some value to the uh, TV contract the ACC has with ESPN. The fact that, they, that they're putting the Duke game against Notre Dame in prime time. They're going to college. They're going to, uh, to Durham for college game day. And then they're going to put the Louisville game in prime time. And then, of course, you've got that sandwiched in between the two games on NBC. I put my concern level below where Jesse put his. I put mine. I understand some of the concerns that he was talking about there. I put mine at probably a four. Remember 2018 when Notre Dame went to San Diego to play Navy, and then they went to technically Evanston, but Chicago to play Northwestern. Then they came back home and played a game. From there, they went out to the Bronx to play in Yankee Stadium against Syracuse. And then after that, back out to the West Coast to play uh, USC in Los Angeles. So two trips to the West Coast, a trip to the East Coast, a trip to Chicago. That's a five-game stretch where you know they were bouncing all over the country, and they ended up winning out that stretch. They made it to the college football playoff for the first time. So I think you're right. There are some things that are going to have to be addressed, but they started – Kind of around that time, they started doing some things in terms of rest, recovery, all the massage, you know, the, you know, the different, uh, you know, like the recovery chambers that they have and all that different kind of stuff. So I think they'll navigate it okay. And I think as somebody said, at least if you have to play it like that and you do have the two road games back to back like that, at least it kind of lets you get into a routine over that four week stretch because you are having consistent game time. So you can set your week up yeah. pretty much the same. You can get into a rhythm early. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, 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 
Although, as Marcus Freeman said, it does change a little bit because you're going to go on the road and play a couple of those games when you when you get back into town. Louisville's going to be a little bit quicker return. I mean, honestly, by the time you get in the air, you, you know, it's 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 only a little bit farther than going to Chicago, and you're in the big plane, so you can put the hammer down a little bit. I think we've chartered back. You, know, say, like, you got to ask the guy that's that's uh, flown a lot. Yeah. Now, now they're you can make that you can make that flight in about 30 minutes basically is what i'm saying it's it's not going to take you that long by the time the plane gets near so tim brando from fox sports says he thinks that mid to lower tier big 10 conference teams like purdue indiana and illinois are better served playing friday night games because they'll get more attention than if they play on saturdays do you buy or sell that that's a sell, sell, and even more sell for me. This isn't high school football anymore. You know, they, these, these kids sign up to play Saturday. Um, it, it's, I just know, like, I, I just feel like it takes away kind of from what college football is about to me. You play on Saturday, NFL plays on Sunday. Okay, yeah, the Thursday and, and Monday stuff, that's fine. But you only do that, you know, e- each team is only going to do that probably one time a season, right? Thursday and Monday. When we're talking about moving all these games to Friday, it's just it's just childish to me. That's 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 high school football. We're beyond that. Um, and yeah, there's there's really nothing else I more I kind of have to say about that. Hey, the only place that I'm torn is the fact that you're playing on Fridays. And I, I, I'm not Vince and I, I think, have talked about this before. I don't like the idea of playing on Fridays because Fridays are supposed to be from high school football, but or for high school football. But if I remove that. And I just look at it from the point of view of the t- of the programs themselves, because like a, cu- a couple of weeks ago, Kansas was playing Illinois on a Friday night. And it's like, oh, wow. You know, one, it's, you know, Kansas, my alma mater. So I'm going to watch that game. And, you know, it turned out to be a pretty good game for them. And it's like I got a chance to watch them because they were playing on Friday night. And. So if I look at it only from the perspective of the teams themselves, these kind of teams, the Purdue's, Indiana's, you know, the Illinois, the Kansas of the world, those kind of programs, I do think that it is better for them. Now, is it better for high school football? Of course not, because you're taking away the attention from from high school football. But if I look at it just from the perspective of those programs and giving themselves that spotlight by playing standalone games on a Friday night, I do think that it is better for them because they get more attention that it, way. Yeah, and and that's ultimately kind of like the, the double-edged sword of the situation and, and the uh, the rebuttal to come, kind of my argument is that it's better for the programs themselves because they're going to get more exposure. More exposure means more recruits are watching, you know, down the right. line, et cetera. And obviously they're probably going to make a little bit more money in terms of, you know, what they're able to do in terms of viewership and all of those things, because it's, again, it's, it's like one of three options on Friday instead of like one in, in 20 options on Saturday. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the point. I think that's the point that Brando was making because the big 10 is doing these Friday night games and you're going to get buried in the middle of Saturday when all these ranked teams are playing. So you're going to get more attention on yourselves if you're playing on Friday night. Thanks for another super chat from Wicked Bronco. He says, it just baffles me that Indiana did better against Ohio State's offensive line than we did. That's inexcusable. Also, what about the muggings Ohio State got away with (laughs) on our wide receivers? Overall, best secondary in college football. Don't have to, don't have a letdown 
versus Duke. To the first part, I, I will just say that it was a season opener. And you can you can you can kind of surprise some teams. You know, teams are still figuring things out in a season opener. That's the that's the only excuse I would give there. Now, as to the other stuff, I'll let you respond. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm gonna go with the at these one at a time too. I the you know it, it's so you can't compare one aspect of a game to a completely different aspect of a game, right? Like it's not an apples to apples comparison. That's just not how it goes. The transitive property doesn't really work in terms of position groups from the first game to the fourth game, right? Did I want Notre Dame to do better? Correct. Of course. Do I think that they, in some regards, underperformed in in terms of sacks and pressures? Yeah. But like Marcus Freeman said, when are you ever satisfied? So I'll leave that one at that one. Um, The muggings on the wide receivers. Listen, I, I hate to be the guy that, you know, again, blames refs or anything like that. And I'm not going to. But were there some situations where it felt like Notre Dame wide receivers didn't get the fair call? Yes, I will definitely say that as well. But that happens in just about every game. Um, and, and that's the you know the frustrating inconsistent part of referees, especially Big Ten college referees. And then overall best secondary in college football. I think that is not um, debatable at this point, uh, considering you know their pass efficiency defense, their secondary rankings, um, and what heart. Benjamin Morrison, you know, Watts, Brown, Ramon Henderson did to the Ohio State receiving core and limited to them. I I think they did a tremendous job. And then don't have a letdown versus Duke. I think if Notre Dame plays up to, you know, how they're supposed to, the Notre Dame way, um, and and they move on from this and, and let this kind of Ohio State bitterness fuel them into this game, I think that Notre Dame dominates Duke, to be honest with you. I think that Duke just is simply outmatched. Um, and, and they're like you said earlier, their best one is against a, a, an average Clemson team at best. And, so, and it was their first game of the season. So so if, if Ken Young goes on the Pat McAfee show Friday and says that Notre <laughs> Dame is soft, like that's that, that's what they you know they need a they need that's a not little what Notre Dame needs to get them fired up. I believe Ken Young, the guy from uh, the hangover and you know some of the other I think he does like the mask singer or what you know, that guy. Um, I think he is one of the, one of the more famous, uh, pop culture type Duke alums, you know, not non-basketball right? Duke alums. He's, <laughs> he's the one that comes to mind right away. So maybe, maybe a little Ken Young zinger would, uh, would get Marcus Freeman and company inspired. <laughs> and then we see Marcus Freeman go on a rant after afterwards. the game. Yes. <laughs> Terry, Terry Tyler brings up a good point. Duke flies to the football. I mean, we all know Greg Elko runs a, a defense that is first and foremost fast. Uh, they're going to play relentless. They're going to play hard. They're always going to fly the ball. That's that's um, that's not going to be a question on on Saturday. I think Notre Dame still outmatches Duke did Duke. or not, NC State did too. You know, yeah, same kind of thing. And I think Notre Dame still outmatches Duke's uh, defense. But more importantly, I, I just don't see anything in, in in Duke's offense that Notre Dame's defense should be scared about. As long as they prepare how they're supposed to and don't become arrogant and handle business, I think I think Notre Dame will will dominate against Duke this weekend. Concur. Joe asks if uh, Ken is the guest picker. I was just pulling that name. <laughs> they don't head. announce that until like Thursday or Friday. So, yeah, I don't think we'll find out until later. I, I'll be interested to see, you know, do they go – do they go the basketball route? Do they go the obvious route and have Coach K come on and do some picks? Do they go like Grant Hill, you know, Christian Leitner, you know, again, like the basketball route? 
they can't go Danny Dimes because he'll be playing. So um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm curious to see who they go go with as well. These comment, these last couple comments in the chat. Have you seen uh, the 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 rumblings about the, the Michigan State thing? I wanted to send you this article before the game, but the just show. leave that. I, I saw it before <laughs> the show. I need to. I need to. I need to read up on it a little bit more. Potential so, uh, material down the road this week. I think it's ridiculous for just from the the general. That's basically what I wanted I to get. At. I wanted to laugh at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, last question for you tonight. The crowd reaction shot has become one of the staples of sports TV broadcasts. You've got the TV cameras showing the reaction, you know, of random fans and someone always becomes a meme and stuff like that. That's one thing. But the ever popular friends and family reaction shot when the player either does well or does something bad. What do you think of the friends and family reaction shots during games? Um, I think the, the friends and family shots are just like cringy, cringy material. And what's even more cringy is like the, the parent interviews in the stands where like you could barely hear oh, what the parents are saying. And they're obviously, so they're obviously so nervous and so just tunnel visioned on the game. It's like, what are you guys even doing bothering these people? You know what I mean? And so at the end of the day, that's what it is for me. It's just, it's annoying. It's cringy. And it's like, why can't you just let these people enjoy the game? That's what they come yeah, here to do. They didn't come here to be in the spotlight any further. They came here to get away, watch their significant other, son, daughter, whoever it might be, niece, nephew, brother, sister, play the game, and that's it. You know, like they're already under the microscope all the rest of the days of the week. Just let them enjoy the game and be just as nervous and excited as the rest of us. It's like, oh, he completed a pass. Mom is nervous. Dad is stoic, sitting there, no expression on his face. <laughs> yeah. What's he thinking? I don't know. It's like, like oh. it's like with the Cubs. They just called up, you know, uh, Pete Crow Armstrong. Uh-huh. And every at-bat, it's a cut to his parents and friends in the stands. And, you know, they're sitting there. It's like he'll get his first hit. We don't need to see his parents, you know, as he gets the first hit. It's going right. to happen regardless. Right. Let it breathe. Let it breathe. It's like everyone, you know, almost, I won't say everyone, almost everyone has family. And guess what? If they do something good, they're going to get excited. If they don't do something good, they're going to be upset. Or, you know, if there's, there, there's going to be some tension, there's going to be some drama. Like, did you see the, the Clemson kicker in the Clemson Florida state game? You know, like the whole thing with the guy who had left the team, but he was still enrolled in an online graduate course. And so they brought him back on the team because he was still enrolled in school and he got to kick and he made an early field goal. But then when the game was on the line, (laughs) he missed a field goal that that could have won it for him. And they're doing the cutaway shots to the friends and the fan, you know, the parents and the family (laughs) and the whole thing. And it's like, what does he have to do? What do they have to do with that? Exactly. You know, again, it's like, of course, there is parents. They're going to be excited. You know, do we do we need to to build this? Every and then, of course, the whole like the Taylor Swift thing took it to a whole nother level oh with Travis gosh. Kelsey over the weekend. I now, uh, I muted like, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey on on Twitter.com. I'm already over it. I'd, any post, <laughs> I have it. I have their names muted, so I don't even you see mean it X. anymore. Com? Yeah, I don't have it anymore. I highly recommend people do take the same steps just mute certain words and you won't see any of it it is just it is just too much it's nauseating i know i know uh stymie wants to know if notre dame has any soccer players that can kick 
30 yards. <laughs> they should go the Cowboys route, baby. Aubrey hasn't missed yet. It's the only shining yep. spot. Knock on wood, he hasn't. You're right about that. Brandon Aubrey, former Notre Dame soccer player, kicking it. He is. He was definitely the only bright spot last week. That's for sure. <laughs> Sunday, two days ago. It was Ugh. a tough weekend for you and I. I hope no one brought that up yesterday for you. Yeah. Well, we had we had other things to talk about. <laughs> so I thought someone would sneak in. Oh, Sean. I forgot. I've got a bad weekend. I forgot one more question. One more question that you found. I forgot. I was gonna to to slip Some extra in credit. Here. Yes. So San Diego Padres pitcher Josh Hader refused to enter last night's game for the chance at a four-out save. The Padres are five and a half games out of the wild card race. And, of course, this is the final week of the season. And Hader is going to be a free agent after the season. He reportedly said, are we in a playoff race? When he was approached about going in for a four-out save, which he has not been asked to do at any point this season. So is this fair or foul that Hader refused to go in the game for a four-out save? Um, I lean both ways, um, but ultimately I lean more foul. At the end of the day, I get it. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He's pissed that he has to be in San Diego. He never wanted to be traded there for Milwaukee. Milwaukee's going on to the playoffs this year. Blah, blah, blah. He doesn't want to risk injury for next season. But come on, man. You're getting paid for this season. Your, your team is asking you to just go out there and pitch one more out, and you're telling me you're looking to your boss, your head coach, your team, and you're just saying, oh, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. that. That's not what personally benefits me. Come on, man. There's like five games left in the regular season, you know? Like outside of a freak accident, your your arm and elbow is going to be fine, right? That's, like, why, that's why I'm good with it. You know, again, they haven't asked him to, to get a four-out save all season. I realize <laughs> – He's a professional. He's getting paid, like you said. He's going to be a free agent, though, and they're not going to make the playoffs. And if 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 they had a chance to make the playoffs, I'd say get in there and do it. And I'm sure that he would do it. But why should he take any risk in the last week of the season at doing more than he has been asked to do at any point this season when he stands to make even more money next year with his next contract? <laughs> yeah, I get it. I just think it's insane that he straight up was just like, nope. Are, are, are we, is this going to get us to the playoffs? Like, <laughs> He's like, I'm out of here. I'm eating fish tacos. <laughs> Adios. Like, and that's why I led with, I, I led both ways, right? Because he's got to look after himself. He's got the big contract coming next season. We know how, you know, pitcher's arms can be. We just saw what happened with Otani. Like, I get it. It's, it's, it's definitely a concern, but. It's it, like it would be one thing again if they were asking him to go for like a, a two inning save, a six out save. But to me, one more out doesn't isn't the, isn't going to push the needle uh, for me. I concur. All right. Well, we will definitely wrap it up on that. We had a lot of good stuff once again tonight, and we will be back tomorrow. And we'll probably spend. I don't know. It's mailbag day tomorrow. I was going to say you, you don't know what the people about. are going to ask you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We've got a lot more to talk about this week. And again, Brian's going to be coming up at 8 o'clock tonight. He will take a look at uh, Duke as well. Thank you very much, Joe Allen. Appreciate it. He said, great show, guys. Make sure to like it, peeps. That's right. And we appreciate it when you do hit that. Even the Ohio State Bucknut said he liked and subscribed. So all of you people can do Did he really? Yeah. Wow. See, we've got Bucknuts guys jumping on and subscribing to the show. So I I thought for the most part, he was fairly well 
behave, you know. I don't think he took any cheap shots. <laughs> Larry says he mutes anything with Swift as well. That's a good idea. All right, hit the like button on your way out. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on IB Nation Sports Talk. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.